स्वामी निखिलानंद इज अ डिसाइपल ऑफ जगत गुरु श्री कृपालुजी महाराज ही रिजाइड्स एट राधा माधव धाम इन ऑस्टिन टेक्सस व्हिच इज द यूएस आश्रम ऑफ जगत गुरु कृपालु परिषद ही ट्रैवल्स अमेरिका प्रीचिंग द फिलॉसफी ऑफ सनातन धर्म एज टॉट बाय श्री कृपालुजी महाराज इन दिस सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स स्वामी निखिलानंद एक्सप्लेन्स द थ्री पाथ्स टू गॉड कर्म ज्ञान एंड भक्ति He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. So far in this series in the last few days I've been talking to you about the conditions of bhakti. So I described to you that bhakti should be done without any worldly desire from God. No demand, no list, not asking for anything. And yesterday we also talked about how true bhakti is done without any condition that god whatever you give me or don't give me my bhakti will go on growing the third condition is that bhakti is independent because it doesn't depend on any other path now before we get to the fourth condition which is actually how to develop a relationship with god in your meditation we're going to talk about the actual form of god and since we're celebrating janmashtami today it's perfect timing because there's a lot to understand about the actual form of god today we're going to talk about shri krishna shri krishna descended on this earth or appeared on this earth or took birth on this earth more than 5000 years ago in 3228 bc we know the exact year date time he appeared at midnight so that shri krishna he walked on this earth for 125 years he disappeared in 3102 bc so that shri krishna who came who graced the earth for over 100 years and then who left we have to understand a few things about him first of all who is he who is shri krishna number 2 how did he come and number 3 why did he come these are the three main points we'll cover tonight who is shri krishna we can learn something about that by understanding actually the definition of his name or the meaning of his name This is defined in Brihad Gautamiya Tantra. Krishi Shabdo Sattartho Rashchananda Rupaka Sattartho Sattaswananda ब्रह्मचोच्यते वट इज कृष्ण मीन कृष्ण दैट नेम मीन्स सच्चिदानंद ब्रह्म वी टॉक अबाउट दिस अ फ्यू डेज गो वन वी टॉक अबाउट वट इज भक्ति एंड वी लर्न अबाउट द पावर्स ऑफ गॉड एंड वी लर्न दैट सच्चित आनंद कृष्णेर स्वरूप दैट the actual form of shri krishna is sat chit anand 
So here we're being told his very name means Satchit Anand. So he is Satchidananda Brahma. The word used in this verse is Param Brahma, Supreme Brahma. In fact, there is one Upanishad called Gopal Tapaniya Upanishad, which is all about Gopal, Shri Krishna. So the very first mantra asks a question. Kaha Paramo Devaha Kasyan Mrityur Vibheti Kasya Gyane Nakhilam Gyatam Bhavati Who is the Param Dev? Who is Supreme God? Number one. Number two. Who is the one that by knowing whom you know everything and there's nothing more to know after that? Because there's nothing beyond him. And number three, who is the one before whom death himself, meaning Yamraj, trembles? So the answer is given in the second mantra of Gopal Tapani Upanishad. Krishno Havai Paramam Daivatam. Shri Krishna is the Param Dev. Shri Krishna is the one by knowing whom you know everything because there's nothing more beyond him. Whatever exists, exists within him. And it is Shri Krishna before whom even Yamraj trembles because Shri Krishna is the Lord of the God of Death. The third mantra of Gopal Tapaniya Upanishad says, Krishna Eva Paro Devas Tam Dhyayet Tam Rasayet Tam Bhajet Tam Bhajet Krishna Eva Paraha Devaha Shri Krishna himself, Shri Krishna only, is Param Dev, Supreme God. Do Dhyan of him. He is Ras. Do bhajan of him. That's what this mantra says. So, we're starting to get an idea that Shri Krishna is Supreme Brahm, Supreme God. If you go to the Gita, you'll find the same thing. In the Gita, Shri Krishna says, Matta parataram nanyat kinchidasti dhananjaya Arjun, there's nothing beyond me. That's what paratattva means, or paratpartattva. It means the ultimate thing beyond which there's nothing more. You can't go beyond that because whatever exists is within him. So he describes this fact in the Gita. And in the Bhagavatam, Vedavyasji tells us, Avatara hya sankhyaya harehi sattva nidher dvija There are uncountable avatars that emerge from Bhagwan. Uses the word Bhagwan. Bhagwan takes unlimited avatars, like if you have a big huge pond and then many rivulets emerge from that. In the same way, all these avatar emerge from Bhagwan. Then he goes on to describe in this section of the Bhagavatam, he tells about 22 main avatar of Bhagwan. And after describing all of that, then he says, Ete chanchakala punsa krishnastu bhagavan svayam 
तो वो भगवान कौन है जिससे ये सारे अवतार होते हैं who is that bhagwan who is swayam bhagwan that is shri krishna krishna stu bhagwan swayam so he is the one who takes all the avatar you can say sare bhagwan hai they're all him right so we call all of those avatar bhagwan but who is the one taking avatar for him we say swayam bhagwan he is bhagwan himself and all of the others are bhagwan they are other forms of him so that is shri krishna come back to the vedas one ved one part of the ved is called radhika upanishad in radhika upanishad supreme god is described sa ek eveshwaraha supreme god is only one and he's ultimate sa ek eveshwaraha narayano khila brahmandadhipati rekonshah so in this verse it said that you know narayan mahanarayan mahavishnu why do we call him mahavishnu because he is akhila brahmand adhipati he is the ruler or lord of akhil means unlimited unlimited brahmand a brahmand is an earth planet with swarg and narak i described this for you earlier in this series so one planetary system includes the physical world plus swarg plus narak that one unit is a brahmand so this verse is saying there are akhila brahmand there are uncountable brahmand in this endless universe but there's one ruler of all of that that is mahavishnu now mahavishnu mahanarayan he takes avatar we call that purusha avatar in each brahmand and establishes you can say a branch office of his divine abode his divine abode is called vaikunth and his branch office is called chir sagar the ocean of milk you see those paintings of mahavishnu reclining on sheshnag on the ocean of milk with lakshmi pressing his feet that is vishnu of this brahman if he's in chir sagar that is just an avatar of mahavishnu who rules the entire universe called gunavatar so that narayan who rules uncountable brahmandas in other words he's the ruler of the entire universe ekaha anshah he is one ansh of shri krishna that's what this upanishad is saying brahma says the same thing in his brahma sanghita he prayed to shri krishna before creating the brahman because he didn't have the power to create it so one of the prayers that he sang says yasya ekanishvasita kalamatha valambya jivanti lom vilaja jagadandanatha 
विष्णुर्महांसिहय कला विशेषो गोविंदमादिपुरुषम तमहम भजामी See, in the previous verse, Ved used the term anj, which means a fraction of, or a part of, or a power of. Here the word being used is vishesha kala. The same two words were used in that verse of Bhagavatam. Ete chansha kala punsaha krishnastu bhagavan swayam. All the other avatar are anj of him, or kala of him. Kala means, again, power, a power of him. Like a painter's hand, you can say is his kala or his shakti, but the hand belongs to the painter. So, Shri Krishna is being prayed to by Brahma and he says, O Adi Purush, Shri Krishna, Govinda, I bow down to you. Who are you? Your one breath, when you inhale, the universe is created and when you exhale, the universe is destroyed. So your one breath is the total life of Mahavishnu. And his one breath, you could say, is the life of uh, each of these individual Brahman. So how great are you? I can't put into words. But please grace me. He surrenders to him and Sri Krishna graces him with the knowledge of Vedas and the power to create our Brahman. Now, although all of this is being said, all of these scriptures are saying Shri Krishna is Supreme God and all other forms of God are His Ansh, His Kala, His Avatar. Yet, it's important to keep in mind that Vedabhyasji also says in Padma Puran, Sarve Purna Shashvatascha Dehas Tasya Paratmanah and in Varaha Puran, Sarve Sarvagunai Purna. In other words, every form of God is whole and complete. You shouldn't think that because Ved is using the word Ansh, which in English literally translates to a fraction or a part of, don't think that that means that Mahavishnu is one half of Shri Krishna and then uh, Vishnu of one Brahman is one quarter of Shri Krishna and God Shiva is one quarter. No, they're all Poorn. Sarve Poorna. They're all whole and complete because God is only one. So if we think that, okay, Krishna is one God and he's whole and complete and then Vishnu is another God and he's only half of that, then you got two gods. You can't have two gods. It's one God appearing in all of these forms. Take another verse from the Bhagavatam, which we already covered, but this will help you understand this fact. Vadanti Remember when I explained this earlier, I told you that one single God appears in three main ways. Just like water, H2O, it can be in a solid, liquid, or vapor state. Similarly, one single supreme Shri Krishna appears as Bhagwan, he appears as Paramatma, and he appears as Brahma. 
सो एज भगवान ही इज पूर्णतम पुरुषोत्तम ब्रह्म In other words, he's revealing his total power and his total personality outwardly as Bhagwan Shri Krishna. As Paramatma, he is Mahavishnu and all the other almighty forms of God like Vishnu, Shiva, Durga and all of their affiliated powers like Hanuman ji, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Kali, all of these are almighty affiliated powers but they're all absolutely one and if shri krishna is not manifesting any of his qualities or powers outwardly and almost all of those powers are dormant then he is nirakar brahm he is formless but it's the same shri krishna as bhagwan as parmatma and as brahm so we should never ever think that one form of god is greater than another or another form of god is lesser than another they're all absolutely one so you choose the form of god that you want to worship that you want to attain and you worship that form of god knowing that this form of god is the other form of forms of god just in a different form So all of our scriptures are saying that Shri Krishna is Swayam Bhagwan he is supreme brahm and he descended on this earth planet more than 5000 years ago It's interesting to note that although the number of avatar are uncountable and they keep happening every yuga yet the descension of Swayam Bhagwan Shri Krishna does not happen as often it happens once in a day of brahma see some avatar or another happens in every manvantar and every manvantar there are repeated descensions of god let me explain according to the uh, mathematical calculations of our scriptures this kaliyug that we're in has a total duration of 432000 years the yug before that was dwapar yug that was twice as long 864000 years the yug before that was treta yug that is three times as long as kaliyug it's 1296000 years and the first yug satyug the one before treta yug that's four times as long as kaliyug so that's 1728000 years long and if you take those four together it adds up to 4320000 years so that's one cycle of the four yugas to go through all of sat treta dwapar and kaliyug and get back to the beginning of satyug again that takes 4.32 million years sounds like a long time right but it's nothing as far as brahma is concerned because you have to do that 71 times 71 of those rounds of the four yugas makes one manvantar which is like an hour in brahma's day and there are 14 manvantar in brahma's day So in fact there are 1000 times around the four yugas in one day of Brahma. 
So it adds up to four billion three hundred and twenty million years is one day of Brahma, and it is said that Swayam Bhagwan Shri Krishna descends one time in one day of Brahma. Whereas the other avatar keep repeating in every manvantar, more or less, but his dissension as Shri Krishna wearing the peacock feather with the flute, with Radharani, that happens once in one day of Brahma. So, now we understand something about who Shri Krishna is. Let's ask the question, how did he come? How does Supreme God come in this world? From our material mind, it's very difficult to understand because we hear all the Leelas, and in those Leelas, when he was growing up in Braj, he acted like an ordinary boy much of the time. When he wasn't killing a demon or lifting over the hill or something, he was acting like an ordinary boy. He was playing with his friends, grazing the cows, uh, asking for food from his mother when he was hungry, crying to get into his mother's lap if she was too busy doing uh, housework. So, seeing this, one would wonder that, is that Shri Krishna? that we hear about in those Leelas? Is that the same Supreme God? How could it be? So let's understand how he appears. In the Gita, he tells Arjun, Bahuni me vyatitani janmani tavacharjuna Tanyaham veda sarvani natvam parantapa Arjun, I have had many janma. He uses the word janma. We take that word to mean birth. I'll explain what it really means in a minute. Arjun, I have had uncountable janma, and you have had uncountable janma. But the difference is, I remember all of mine and all of yours, and you don't remember anything. You only know this one. And he says, janma karma chame divyam. My janma is divya, it's divine. In other words, yours is material and Krishna's is divine. He also said his karma is divine. Our karma is material, his karma is divine. So that's easy enough to say. His janma is divine, not material. But what does that actually mean practically? Take the word janma. It comes from the Sanskrit root jani pradur bhave. Jani pradur bhave means prakat hona, to appear. So it means Krishna's janma means his appearance. But interestingly enough, we also appear. How? Because when we die, or rather when our body dies, what happens with our soul? It leaves this body, but then wherever we're going to be born next, our soul, let's say someone was born in America and they die and in their next life they're going to be given a birth in India. So their soul does not have to be transported by any means over to India, it can just appear over there. So it appears in the womb of whoever is going to be that soul's mother in that small growing fetus. 
So we appear, however, punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, punarapi janani jathare shayanam. यह संसारे खलु दुस्तारे कृपाया पारे पाही मुरारे भज गोविंदम भज गोविंदम भज गोविंदम भज मूढ़मते शंकराचार्य सेज दैट we are made to take birth again and again. Punarapi jananam and punarapi maranam. We are born and we die again and again. It keeps happening. And we're put into the womb, jatharam, of our mother, our mother-to-be. That keeps happening. And we don't have a choice. We do not choose our mother. We do not choose to be reborn or not. We have to be reborn because we're under the bondage of our past karma. And we receive our next family according to that karma. However, Bhagavatam says in regards to Shri Krishna, Asyapi deva vapusho madanugrahasya svechamayasya natubhutamayasya kopi Svecha, you come through your own free will. Shri Krishna comes just by deciding to come. That's it. He's not bound to come. He's not bound by karma. No one decides for him when he's going or where he's going. He decides. I'm going to take avatar and he goes. He appears. So he comes of his own free will. But is he born like we are? Even though we appear, we appear nonetheless in our mother's womb, inside that little growing body. That becomes our body for this life. And then after nine months, when it's finished growing, then we're born into this world from our mother. Was Sri Krishna born in that way? He says in the Gita, no. Ajopi sannabhyayatma bhūtānāmīśvaropi sann prakritim svāmadhishthāya sambhavāmyatma māyaya He says, I am ajaha, means never born. Yet, I take birth in this world, but my birth is not the birth you think it is. So how is it? He says, first understand one thing. He is Avyayatma. Avyayatma. What does this mean? Shvetashvatropanishad says, Natasya karyam karnancha vidyate. He does not have a body and soul duality. This is a very key point. We have our true self, our soul, which inhabits this body, which is temporary. Krishna does not have a body. See, that's why some people get uh, confused. There are certain statements in the Vedas that say God has no body. 
It doesn't mean that he's not saqar. He has a form, but he has no body. You know why? Because his soul is his body. To have a body, you need to have a soul-body duality, right? But he himself is his body. So he does not have a body. He is his body. We cannot say that. I am not my body. I inhabit my body. But Sri Krishna is his body. So that's Abhyayatma. He is his body and his body is divine and eternal. Krishna Upanishad, another Upanishad all about Sri Krishna says, Tamekam Govindam Satchidananda Vigraham. Sri Krishna alone is Supreme God and his Vigraha. Vigraha means his form or his body. It is made of Satchitanand. So it means his body is divine, it's not material. And his body is omnipresent. Shankaracharya says, Sakaroyam. Even though God is Sakar, see here he's admitting that God is not only formless, he's saying God is Sakar, yet while being Sakar, he's omnipresent. Think about that. With his divine body, Sri Krishna is everywhere, he's omnipresent. So not just as a formless energy. Sure, his formless aspect, Brahm, is also omnipresent. But he, as Krishna, is everywhere. In fact, he himself in all of his forms is everywhere. That's why a Shiv Bhakt sees God Shiva everywhere. Why? Because he is omnipresent in his divine form as God Shiva. A Vishnu Bhakt, whose God realized, he sees Vishnu everywhere. A Ram Bhakt sees Ram everywhere. Why? Because Sri Krishna is omnipresent in all of his forms, simultaneously. Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sudurlabha Gita Vasudeva Sri Krishna is omnipresent. This whole world is well, he's he's filling it. He's everywhere. So Sri Krishna says in the Gita, I am my body. My body is omnipresent and divine and eternal. His body is eternal. That's another point. He didn't, some people think, oh, before 5,000 years ago, there probably was no Sri Krishna. People wouldn't have known. No, before 5,000 years ago, there was still Sri Krishna. He had his divine body and he had descended previously. So, Sri Krishna in his form as Sri Krishna is eternal, divine, omnipresent. Then he says, Bhutanamishwaropisan. Even when I appear on this earth planet, I am still the Ish of all living beings. What does that mean? It means that he's residing in our heart and keeping track of all of our actions and giving us the consequence of those actions. And he's also upholding the existence of this whole universe. Vishtabhyahamidankritsna Mekan Chena Sthito Jagat Gita. 
when describing his almighty greatness to Arjun in the 10th chapter, he told him that, Arjun, just understand this much. I omnipresently envelop and uphold every particle of this whole unlimited universe with a fraction of my power. So he's still doing that. He says, I am still doing that even when I appear at one place on this earth. So it means when he takes avatar, he doesn't stop being omnipresent. He's still everywhere. In fact, he could be taking avatar in uncountable brahmand simultaneously, the same Shri Krishna. Or at many places on our earth planet. You see, he was here as Shri Krishna. He was also here as Vedabhyas at the same exact time. Both are forms of God. So, he's omnipresent and simultaneously he can be taking avatar in uncountable places all at once. So, even when he's here and we could have seen him 5,000 years ago, we may have seen him if we were in India at that time, and we ordinary people would have seen him at one place at one time. And we would have been fooled by that. We would have thought... How could this be God? I'm seeing him at one place at one time. God is supposed to be omnipresent, number one. And number two, God is supposed to be all beautiful, unlimited beauty. Like when Janak saw Bhagwan Ram, he was amazed by his divine beauty, such that he renounced his bliss of formless God in favor of the bliss of Ram. Yet we would have seen the same Ram or the same Sham and we would have said, nothing special, handsome maybe, but unlimited divine beauty? No, I'm not feeling any of that. <laughs> because we're not qualified. I'll talk about that more when I talk about sadhana and doing rup dhyan of God's form. But we're not qualified so that even if we meet God face to face when he's taking avatar, we don't actually recognize his divinity. See, right now he's everywhere, he's omnipresent. Are we experiencing his divine presence? No. We're swimming in the ocean of divine bliss and we don't have a clue. <laughs> we're unhappy and we're swimming in the ocean of divine bliss. So when the same ocean of bliss appears in one place at one time, when we see him then, we still don't get it. Because we're, we have to do bhakti to purify our heart and get divine mind and divine senses, and then we would become qualified to experience his divinity. So, the point is that even when he's appearing at one place, he's still omnipresent and he's still the Lord of the whole universe. And he says... Prakritim Swamadhishthaya, controlling this Prakriti, controlling this Maya, Sambhavamyatmamayaya, I appear, I make myself appear in one place on this earth planet through my Yoga Maya Shakti. Remember I told you about the three powers of God, Swarup Shakti, Maya Shakti and Jeev Shakti. His personal power, the material power, Maya, and then the souls. So he says, controlling Maya, 
and still keeping track of all the souls, I use my Swarup Shakti. Here's, he's referring to it by another name, Yogamaya Shakti. So using that Yogamaya Shakti, I'm able to appear at one place on this earth planet and still do all the rest of my duties. In other words, keeping track of all the souls and upholding the existence of this universe. So someone may say, but all of this seems to uh, contradict by the fact that Devaki was pregnant with Sri Krishna. How could God be born from someone's womb? In fact, there's no scripture that says he was. Look in the Bhagavatam where his appearance in the jail cell is described. Tamadbhutam balakamam bujekshanam chaturbhujam shankhagadaryudayudham shrivatsalakshmam galashobhikaustubham pitambaram sandrapayodasaubhagam What was it like when Sri Krishna was born? Oh, well, he appeared before Devaki and Vasudev in full form. Full form meaning over six foot tall, wearing his crown, Pitambar, all of his decorations, all of his jewelry, his kaustub, mani, his dhoti, everything. So, do you think he could have actually been born from Devaki's womb? Impossible. Then why did she feel like she was pregnant? Again, through his Yogamaya Shakti, he manipulated the air or the space inside of her to make her feel. Just like blowing up a, if you have a basketball and it's out of air, and then you just pump it with air and it expands. Sri Krishna, using his Yogamaya Shakti, caused Devaki to experience that she was pregnant. Could he have actually been inside of her womb? Yes and no. He's in each of our bellies right now, is he not? He's omnipresent. (laughs) So you can't say that he came and entered Devaki's womb. He was already there, for one. And for two, just using yoga maya, he expanded her belly gradually so that she really felt like she was uh, progressing through the stages of pregnancy over nine months. She could even feel like, oh, this baby's kicking, he's moving, just like every mother experiences. But he was never there in the form of of a fetus or anything like that. He was there because he's omnipresent. But there was no fetus, there was no embryo. Then, after nine months, Sri Krishna simply appeared. That's it. He just appeared before her and the air went out. That's it. So he simulated a material pregnancy. He simulated a birth, but it wasn't a birth in the way that we are born. He was omnipresent. He gave Devaki the feeling that she was pregnant. And then after nine months, he just appeared. Then you might ask, why did he do all these childhood leelas? And we know he was a little baby. 
how did that happen if he just appeared in his full-grown form? So after doing stuti of Bhagwan Shri Krishna, both Vasudev and Devaki prayed to him. Devaki ji said, Upasanghara Vishvatman Nado Rupamalaukikam. Oh my Lord, in my previous birth when I did devotion to you and you appeared before me and you asked me, what do I want? I said, I want a son like you. So you told me that you would grace me by coming as my son. But you're already full grown. You're like my father in this form. So why don't you please take the form of a newborn child so that I can enjoy having you as my baby? So then... Brahma Vaivar Puran says, Gatva Narayano Devo Vilina Krishna Vigrahe. Because he had appeared as Vishnu, he had appeared as Narayan, because Devaki had done devotion to him in that form as Narayan. So he wanted her to remember, oh yes, okay, now I'm connecting all the dots. You appeared to me in my last life, now you're gracing me by coming as my son. Okay, I get it. So he appeared as Narayan first, but then this verse says, Vilinaha Krishna Vigrahe. Narayan merged into the Vigraha of Shri Krishna, showing that he's a part of Shri Krishna's personality and is uh, within him. He's included within Shri Krishna's personality. Then Shri Krishna became a one-day-old baby. He just transformed himself into a one-day-old baby. The same thing is described in the Ramayana with Ram's birth. The same thing is described with Radharani's appearance. So, in this way, Sri Krishna appeared, revealing his supreme form, revealing the fact that he is supreme God, and then he became a brand new one-day-old baby, and in that form he began his childhood leelas. We'll be talking about some of those leelas, many of those leelas, over the next couple of days, because using those leelas, we do devotion. We develop a relationship with Sri Krishna, and we purify our heart by doing that. So I'm going to save those leelas for the next couple of days. But what... The third point I wanted to bring up tonight, because we understood who is Sri Krishna, He's Supreme God, how He comes, He's still Supreme God and He's still omnipresent, yet He can make Himself appear at one place and reveal all kinds of leelas, do all kinds of divine actions in that form while still being omnipresent. The question remains, why does He do this? Why? <laughs> he's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's all-blissful. What reason would he have for coming here and doing all of those leelas on this earth? What, what need does he have to come and act like a little boy who has to learn to crawl and walk and talk, who goes to school, who plays with his friends? Why would God need to do this? So, in our scriptures, there are a couple different places where reasons are given for Krishna's dissension. Take the Gita. 
परित्राणाय साधूनां विनाशाय च दुष्कृताम् धर्मसंस्थापनार्थाय संभवामि युगे युगे So this verse says that Bhagwan comes to establish dharma to protect the saints and to get rid of the demons <coughs> So Establishing dharma is something which his saints are doing already. He keeps sending saint after saint on the earth planet to reveal scriptures, explain scriptures, guide the souls. So the dharma which he himself has expounded in the Vedas is constantly being taught to the souls by the saints. So it doesn't seem like that could be the only reason that he, could, that he would have to come. And protecting the saints, he already resides in everybody's heart. If he wants to protect someone, does he have to take avatar to do that? Destroying the demons, again, he resides in everyone's heart. Did he have to take avatar on the earth planet and grow up and then go to Mathura when he was 11 and a half and fight against the wrestlers and then kill guns? Did he have to go through all of that? No. If he wanted Kants to finish, he could have just thought and it would have happened. So he didn't have... The one who can create and destroy the entire universe with a mere thought, does he have to take avatar and go through all of that to kill one single demon? No, absolutely not. So there has to be something more behind this. Tatha Paramahansanam Muninam Malatmanam In the Bhagavatam it said that he comes to make those Paramahans Shri Paramahans. What Paramahans? Like Shukdevji, like Janak, those Jnani saints who are drowned in the bliss of formless God. They're called Paramahans. But a Paramahans who receives the divine bhakti becomes a Shri Paramahans. So this verse says, Oh Krishna, you descend on this earth to make those Paramahans Shri Paramahans. To give them a chance to experience your bhakti and know its greatness. But in fact, we know that that is also possible through a Rasik Mahapurush. A saint can also grace another saint. A saint who has received the divine bhakti of God can grace another saint with that, or grace an ordinary soul like us with that. So, there has to be some other reason. That can't be the only reason why Sri Krishna descends. He certainly doesn't descend for his own fun, right? He's already blissful. He doesn't need to come here to enjoy himself. He's already perfectly happy in his divine abode. So the Bhagavatam tells us one very convincing reason. Bhavesmin klishyamananam avidya kama karma bhi shravanasmaranarhani 
Vedavyasji writes that the souls of this world are so attached in the world and they're attached to all the things that they find attractive and loving and they want those things. But those material attachments keep them bound in this world. So Bhagwan decided, I'm going to reveal some leelas which will attract the mind of such worldly souls. So he came and he performed leelas that we can relate to. Just like you enjoy watching your children do their childlike, innocent behavior, Krishna did all kinds of such innocent, childlike, naughty behavior growing up. He revealed leelas of playing with his friends when they were young, when they were older, when they were grown up. He revealed leelas of interacting with his mother and father, of quarreling with his older brother. He did all the things that kids do growing up, but he did it in an even more charming way than our kids do. And as he grew up and became older, he expanded the field of his leelas and gave more variety of different leelas, interacting with the gopis as well. And even after that, when he went to Mathura and Dwarika, he revealed a more almighty and uh, official form of himself. So he revealed all of these different leelas. Why? Not for his own enjoyment, but to reveal those leelas in the world so they would be documented in scriptures like the Bhagavatam and by other saints like Surdasji, so that ordinary souls like us could find some devotional material that would attract our mind. We're going to be talking about the specific practice of devotion from tomorrow. What do we have to do? So it has to be something that attracts our mind. And what is more attractive than those leelas that Sri Krishna does? And luckily for us, remembering those leelas purifies our heart and becomes the means of doing devotion. The means of doing bhakti is so simple thanks to Shri Krishna appearing on this earth and revealing all of those leelas. So, from our point of view, that's the most important reason for his dissension, is that he came and he revealed all of his leelas so that we could remember them and relate to him in that way, and thereby we would have a very easy way of practicing bhakti. So, how to practice bhakti, what are, what's the nuts and bolts, what, uh, what exactly do we have to do on a daily basis, we'll start getting into all of those details from tomorrow.